Hi there. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. And before I get into today's topic, I just wanted to say thank you. 2019 has already started to shape up to be a really awesome and exciting year. And one of the things that's so cool is I can see the podcast growing. My listenership has doubled in the past several months, and I'm grateful to my guests for being part of that. I'm grateful to you for continuing to listen, and I'm really grateful to you for sharing with your friends and people that you think might benefit from the conversations that we have on here. So I just wanted to thank you and encourage you to continue sharing if this is something that touches you. I hope that we can share more together. So thank you. And also, I guess one more caveat before we go into what I want to discuss today is I won't be discussing any abuse directly, but I'll be talking about Leaving Neverland, Surviving R. Kelly and Lorena and all of those shows and movies. They depict a lot of really graphic sexual abuse and physical abuse and just want to let people know that that is kind of the topic for discussion today. So please take care of yourself in whatever way you need to. So I just literally just finished watching Leaving Neverland and almost like propelled myself off the couch and wanted to talk about kind of the intersection of really those three shows that I've watched fairly recently and what they all have in common. And I am not going to discuss the guilt or innocence of any parties because that's not the point of this podcast. But the point of this podcast is really to dig into human behavior and what happens to humans. And I don't have any answers. I don't think that I have the right answer for any of these situations. But I guess I just want to spark some conversation and also hear what you think about these. So I guess the first thing that that I wanted to talk about is, you know, in watching all three of these, and I'm currently in some trauma training right now, and everything that I'm learning about people who suffer really traumatic instances of, of sexual abuse or physical abuse, everything that I see from the people who are sharing their stories is, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I've seen online, especially with Leaving Neverland, why are people coming out so many years later Trauma can really fuck with your brain. And the other piece of this that I want to talk about is the power and privilege in many of these scenarios, the potential of being chosen by somebody, whether they have like the actual power of like R. Kelly or Michael Jackson, or whether it's just this perceived power, right? The thing that I, I kept hearing over and over in, in Leaving Neverland is this idea of feeling special and feeling like one was chosen, and I can relate to that in my life. I've had certainly had relationships with people where they were on a pedestal for me. And really, I just revered them and felt like I was a really important, special person. And there were instances where I got taken advantage of for putting a person in that light. And it's so interesting how the brain always wants to make up a story, right? We always want to justify whatever it is that we believe to be true at the time. And our brains can tell us like, no, this was love or I'm different than these other people who are having these experiences of, of abuse or whatever. And the brain plays tricks on us sometimes. And so my personal belief is that I always want to believe a survivor, someone who has survived abuse 
because we never know the internal workings of somebody's mind and what's been going on in their lives that make them feel like they have to align with a certain truth at a certain time. And the way that power and perceived power can play into that is super fucked up, right? One of the other things that I think is really interesting, specifically in kind of looking at R. Kelly versus looking at Michael Jackson, is how does race and the perception of race truly play a part in perceived guilt or innocence, right? And the surviving R. Kelly talks a lot about how potentially people weren't believing the survivors that were accusing R. Kelly because they were black girls and why black girls' lives weren't being valued potentially. And then we have, you know, Michael Jackson on the other hand, and I believe the two boys that had accused him in the 90s and early 2000s were both white boys. And the discussion of Michael Jackson's race has always been really interesting, right? He was a black man. And there were always these questions of, does he want to be white? Is he trying to pass as white? His music certainly transcended racial barriers since he was literally the king of pop. And I had his poster on my bedroom wall, and I'm sure children of every color did, because at that time he was just the best. And I guess I'm just really curious because I think what I am seeing, and again, I am not endorsing innocence or guilt in either way, but what I'm seeing is that there more people seem to be coming to the defense of Michael Jackson than to R. Kelly. And part of it also may have to do with the fact that R. Kelly is still alive and R. Kelly is vehemently and emotionally denying these allegations in a way that a lot of people are not believing, right? And I guess I'm curious if Michael Jackson were still alive today. My guess is that he still would not be coming across the way R. Kelly comes across. And I'm just, I'm so curious what this has to do with race and the perception of race and the perception of the persona that somebody puts out there. You know, Michael Jackson's persona was this, I love children and I just want to help them. And my guess, even though I don't think I've heard R. Kelly say this, but my guess is that R. Kelly would probably have a similar message that he saw potential in young girls and wanted to mentor them. That's what happened with Aaliyah, right? And again, kind of that the way that the brain makes up a story to protect any particular way of thinking and perception of the truth is just fascinating and terrifying at the same time. And I guess the last thing I want to touch on, because I loved Michael Jackson, and I'm not going to say that I don't love him now for the gifts that he gave me in my childhood, whether he is guilty or innocent, he did a lot of good, right? He really changed music for a lot of people and influenced a lot of us in our early lives, if you're around my age. <laughs> And at the same time, the potential that he could have done something really bad, it's, it's just interesting to me how we humans want, we want there to be one answer. We want to either say he was a bad guy or he was a good guy. And the same with R. Kelly. We want to say he's this monster, he's this terrible person, when if you've seen the surviving R. Kelly documentary, you also know that he was sexually abused as a child. And we know that about Michael as well, Michael Jackson. So how can we hold these totally different perceptions of one person at the same time and honor whatever it is that we want to honor about that, you know? I think it depends on our particular history, not only with a certain person, but our particular history with our own trauma stories. 
And it's so complex, right? It's so, so, so complex. One of the things I do when I work with people who are in recovery from addiction, one of the common themes that I often hear is that usually like, you know, in rehab in this point of, I just need to beat myself up because I'm a terrible person. And my goal when working with a person sitting right in front of me is that we can separate the act from who you are. And again, I'm not, I'm not endorsing that this is what we need to do with Michael Jackson or R. Kelly, but I think this is how we hold the complexity of what human beings can do and go through in a lifetime. And do I have to choose sides? Do I have to make this declaration? If I believe the survivors, does that mean that I have to wholeheartedly reject anything that I might like about Michael Jackson or his music or R. Kelly or his music? Truthfully, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's interesting. Many of you may know that I'm also in a band. And last night, I noticed that on our band Facebook page, somebody posted and said, what's our view on playing Michael Jackson songs at weddings now? And... There was no answer because some people aren't going to be affected by the documentary and some people will. And, you know, we could still have people requesting the songs. And then what happens if a band member doesn't want to play the song? It's just there is no right answer for the way to deal with this. So I guess if I can leave you with any message, it's talk about it. If you've watched any of these and they're sparking curiosity or fear or trauma or shame or anything, if it's sparking anything, just talk about it. Talk about it with a mental health professional for sure, but also talk about it with other people who are safe. Trauma can resurface later in life. And I think sometimes when we watch these things, our own memories can kind of resurface in a different way. You know, I had that experience recently where it wasn't a repressed memory, but a memory came up and I was able to view it more from a trauma lens than from the lens I'd been viewing it before. And it shocked me and it scared me because I do a lot of work on myself. And for that to surface at 40 years old was a shock and a surprise to me. So our brains and our psychology are so complex and we have to take care of ourselves because there's so many of these stories coming out right now. Me Too really launched a revolution in people being willing to talk about their trauma in a different way. And I think that's triggering for a lot of us. I think it's scary for a lot of us and it's complex. So I'll leave you with, I guess, the wish and the hope that you can be gentle with yourself and take care of yourself and be kind to yourself and also be kind to those who might be sharing some really difficult stories. Yeah, I think that's it. So thank you so much for listening today. Thanks as always to the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. To find out more about Conversations with a Wounded Healer, you can visit our website at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.